Harlem, like most New York City neighborhoods, has seen a lot of change in the last few decades. Burned-out buildings and vacant lots have given way to luxury developments and trendy eateries. But a new book affords viewers a different look at Harlem, one before the effects of gentrification. It's called Once in Harlem, and is the work of Japanese-American photographer Katsu Naito. I'm George Boraki, and this is Cityscape. Katsu is our guest on today's program. Katsu, thanks so much for coming in. My pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. Where were you born? I was born in Tokyo in 1964. So you were born in Tokyo. Yes. When did you come to New York City? In uh, 1983, April. April of 1983. Yes. What inspired that journey from Tokyo to New York City? Uh, originally, I was a contracted chef for the Japanese restaurant for three years, and that's the reason I came to New York. And you were, what, 18 years old at that time? Yes, I was. And it didn't last for three years. I got the fire in after two years. Only two years after yeah, I got the getting fire. that job, you got fired. Yes. But luckily, I had a green card that time. So, and I had the choice of staying here or going back to Japan. And I decided to stay here. Why did you decide to stay here? I think it's, a, it's just so much more fun to be in New York City. You know, you're 18, 19 years old. And there's so much things to do. Now, your mom actually encouraged you to yes, come to did. New York, didn't yes. she? She had a, she seen that it's a, a local newspaper ad at the opening position for Japanese restaurant. And she was saying, as a kid like you, you should go to New York and be disciplined a little bit. And then I said, so why don't you just call and make an appointment for that? And then uh, I wasn't, it wasn't totally in my head. And within a few weeks, the phone rang. And uh, they set the appointment uh, for the meeting, for the interview. And I didn't think I was going to be here. But it's a, I, I was the only one who showed up for that interview. Had she been to New York City before? Yes, she has, yes. So what gave her this idea that New York City was a place for a young man to be disciplined? That I don't know. I think she wanted, uh, she wanted, she wanted to be somewhere far from the home for some time. Now, were you a chef back in Japan? Did you have I, cooking I was experience? Learning, I was learning a cooking. So I had a little skill of uh, using a knife and a chopping board and stuff like that. Okay, so you got fired after two years. Yes, I did. Why did you get fired? I wasn't kind of blending the atmosphere in a restaurant. And I think that was a big reason. So then what did you do after you were fired? After that, I started working in a restaurant as a waiter waiting on the table at nighttime. And the daytime is uh, I was just uh, hanging out, go to the places. And uh, after two years of living in New York, I wasn't good with speaking English. So I had some way to find communicating with the city. And I grabbed the camera. And then that's how I started taking a picture in the city. To immerse yourself more in the city and to interact with people? I wasn't good at it. More like I was interacting with uh, through my lens. Through your lens, yes. because you didn't speak good enough English. Yes. What inspired that, though? Why pick up a camera? I think it's I wanted to find something that my existence, staying in New York, rather than just being, uh, you know, it's so much of fun to just go into to see the different places, like a nightclub and a place like that. You but were heavily it, into disco, weren't you? Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Where would you hang out? A uh, place called Area 
in the downtown and downstairs, and also the club called Paradise Garage. All yeah. gone, unfortunately. All gone. Yes, they're all gone. Do you still like disco? Yes, soul music and disco. Every now and then I listen still. Yeah. So would you take your camera to the club? No, I didn't. I did just uh, listen to the music. So where then did you photograph early on? I was uh, just snapping uh, in the city, mostly Lower East Side. Or, you know, just wherever I was walking, I always had a camera with me and taking a picture. And that's how I started. Where were you living at the time in those early days? That was uh, my first apartment was 78th Street between the Columbus and Amsterdam. And I was there for about a year. And I moved to 94th on the Broadway. And I was there for about, about five years. And then uh, I moved up to the Harlem. And the, during that time, I wanted, it was very convenient for me to live in the Upper West Side. But something wasn't there for me. You didn't feel the spirit? Maybe you can say that, yeah. So had you been to Harlem before you moved to Harlem? Yes, I did, once. And it just blew my mind completely. What was it about Harlem that blew your mind? I think it was the uh, uh, landscape and also the sky. Sky seems much bigger than other places in New York. And uh, back in the day, I went there in about 1986, 7. Still a lot of abandoned building and empty spaces. And uh, it's something I never seen. And uh, right away I knew I have to take a picture of this place. But uh, I was in a rush. Someday in the future I love to take a picture with Harlem. And uh, photographing Harlem was always in my mind. And then very next year I decided to move. But I didn't start taking a picture right away because I didn't know the air. I didn't know the people. So I start to, you know, understanding the what kind of air that I'm surrounded by, and what type of neighborhood I'm living in, and uh, spend about two years, something like that. And after I get kind of comfortable, and I start taking my camera, and uh, taking start taking a picture. You hung out at a newsstand in Harlem, oh, yes, didn't I you? Did, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, that was uh, on Fifth Avenue and One Nineteenth Street. And uh, I was uh, walking with my camera, and uh, I seen this elderly man hanging out with a uh, you know those chair on the street. And the moment I see it, I said, "I have to take a picture of those old folks." And immediately I went to talk to them. Excuse me, I started introducing myself, but they didn't see me. They didn't totally ignore me. And I live in the nearby. I will come to see you tomorrow again. And I did. And the next day, too, he ignored me. And then I went back the next day, and I kept coming back. And finally, he opened his mouth. And I started going there every day ever since and hang out with them, sit with them, drink, smoke cigarette, and just talk, you know, talk almost nonsense. But felt very comfortable being there. And I spent great deal of time with them, and then I start taking a picture of them. So you set your sights on people, not objects in Harlem. You wanted to photograph the people. 
Is that right? Yes. My ultimate goal was taking people's picture, but I did take a lot of、uh, street snap also, which I haven't published yet. What are those images featuring primarily? Building, abandoned I, I, buildings, abandoned building, people walking nearby, and just the cityscape in the eighties or in nineties. So, what were you looking for in the people when you photographed them at this time? I started taking a picture about ninety-one after I, I started living in Harlem in about three years had passed, and I start kind of、uh, knowing that how. Sweet it is to the people over there because of the, you know, people living in the building, and、uh, I talk to them and、uh, and I hang out, and I start seeing something that warm and beautiful feeling, and I wanted to take a, I say I wanted to take a picture of those people just as is, but、uh, it wasn't easy because、uh, when you photographing a people. You have a camera, and when you have a camera, and there's something that they will pause, something I have to break between the lens and themselves, and that was totally necessary for me to go into their inner side and talk to them. And、uh, since I was, I felt like I was kind of accepted with the people around the neighborhood. And because、uh, they would show the face that they don't want to show to other people, I don't want to photograph the people just posing or like a, what they call the Kodak moment.、Mm-hmm. The Kodak you know, moment, yeah. yeah. And I didn't. I have no interest for taking a picture like that. I I was. I want to take who they are in an organic way. And how did you do that? Because I know that you set up a studio of yes, sorts on the street. Yeah, I carried a. White cloth backdrop, and I set up,、uh, you know, by the, my apartment and by the newsstand, one nineteen and Fifth Avenue, and the people walk by, and by that time, many people are comfortable with me already. So people just come to can take a picture of me, can take a picture of me, or I ask somebody, and they wouldn't say just no. It's okay, why not? And that's how I start photographing their portrait. So you didn't necessarily pose them, though, right? So、no. did they just get in front of the camera and you just snapped? Yes, but I wait a moment. I kind of wait. I don't shoot right away. I communicate with them, and、uh, I may just suggest, "Can you lean on this way, leaning on that way?" And that's all I, I, I say. I wouldn't just pose any other way. But as you stated, you got to know these individuals. So you formed a relationship with these、mm-hmm. individuals before you actually took their yes. portraits. Yes. Who stands out to you most? Who do you recall the most? I think it's elderly man. Also, a lady who wouldn't say yes for a long time, and those are always in my head. And finally, when she said, "Okay, why not?" And that, that picture still stand out in my heart. So it did take you a while to win some people's trust. Yes, yes. I would imagine that you were a minority in this neighborhood. There weren't many Japanese people、no. living in Harlem at that time. No, not at all. So I was a totally outsider. 
And uh, so I understand that, you know, it's, it takes a long time, uh, a lot of effort for them to accept me. So when you were taking these photographs, what were you thinking you would do with them? I wanted to publish it, but it wasn't that moment. I knew it would take some time, so I wait. And uh, I waited over 20 years. That's a long time to wait. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why did it take two decades? I couldn't get the quality of the printing. I was searching for the direction of the printing. And, uh, but before, no, before I was searching for the direction, I left my negative my, in my case. And I left in the dark room for a long time. And then I decided to, it's about time I need to print them. And I started searching the direction of the printing. And it took a long time, about two years, to set the direction for the printing. And how many photographs did you take in all in Harlem, would you say? Um, 500, maybe 1,000. Wow. Was it hard to sift through all of that? Oh, yeah, it is. Because uh, each frame, my emotion had attached to each one of them. So it's very difficult for me to pick. Talk to me about those emotions. What kinds of emotions do you feel when you look at these photographs? It's uh, the kind of feeling that uh, it wasn't easy to be get that moment. I walk a lot on the street, and I uh, just carrying a camera, but I never ask. I mean, just I wanted the people to see me with a camera first, get comfortable with it. And if you walk the ca- with the camera, with the agent guys walking, and uh, they would it, it catch their eye, and they would ask you, "What are you doing here, with the camera?" And then I said, "I live, I moved a few years ago. I live around the corner." And then it's kind of break the ice. And uh, I never like to carry the camera with a camera case. My camera has to be exposed. Why? Because I didn't want to f- feel like outsider. And uh, to to proving that I live in Harlem, meaning it's uh, to me, it's just my my opinion. If you carry the camera exposed, meaning that you must be from the neighborhood. And that's the feeling I wanted. Now, initially, some people thought you were a police officer. Oh, yes. (laughs) They call me Faibo. And because of the... um, This is uh, something I found out after maybe a year or less than a year. Where I lived, I lived at 112th Street and St. Nicholas Avenue. And there's a deli on the first floor, the closest street. And I didn't know that place was the basement of the gangster. And uh, I seen all these kids, especially like July 4th and New Year's Eve. All these kids come up from the deli and they all have a gun, some shotgun, some machine gun. And I seen the there's a opposite side of my building. There's abandoned building, and the kids start shooting toward that building. And uh, so, it must be for them. It's uh, you know different blood, of a nationality living there, and uh, they see me with a camera every now and then. So they saw time an undercover cop. Hmm. But uh, it wasn't that hard for them to not to you know not not to know me as a police officer since I started taking a picture with the neighborhood first. You captured the images of a number 
of young people yes, in I Harlem. Did. Yeah. Little girls, little you know, boys. Baby. There's a great image of a man with who I assume is his son on his shoulders. Oh, that's my favorite too, yeah. Tell me about that one. It's uh, when I see that uh, him walking with the son on his shoulder, immediately I said, wow, it's something I never seen in Harlem because you always see the kids with the mother. You don't see the kids with the father. And that was the first time I seen the kids with the father and the kids seemed so happy, but father seems a little tired. I approached them and excuse me and it will be okay if I photograph you. And he just said, yes, go ahead. And that's how I took that picture. Just one picture I took. And he's holding his son's toy gun yes, he did, in his yeah. hand. Yeah. Tell me about the photo on the cover of your book. Your book is called Once in Harlem. Yes. That was the, uh, the park above 119th Street, above 120th, and below 125th, right above the 5th Avenue. And there's a park. And uh, it's not a safe park. It's uh, little things going on over there. And, uh, and these are three teenage girls, or what look yeah, like hanging three out teenage over there girls. After school, mm-hmm. like 4 o'clock. And they're hanging out, so I just come, came up to them. It's okay if I can take a picture of you. And they said, it's okay. And this so strong expression they gave me. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you see when you look at these three young women in this photo? What do you think this says? I don't know. Maybe I wasn't welcome. Maybe. Especially the center one. Very yeah. strong expression. But There's a great expression on a little kid in this book, I believe, with overalls on. Oh, yeah, that, that was a, I shot outside of my building with a, the bottle of the milk or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He was, uh, he was with his mother outside of my building, and when I see him, I ask the mother if, you know, if I can photograph your baby, and that's how I took the picture. Now, you said you started to photograph in the early 90s, right? In uh, Harlem, yeah. How long did you continue this project in Harlem? I, it was going on up until mid-90s, 96, 97. But most of the images were shot in 91, 92, 93. And after that, uh, the Harlem was already started changing. And... Uh, I say, it's time for me to wrap. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how did you witness the neighborhood evolve during this time period? I seen a lot that you know, people get killed right through my window. Um, fighting, block party. Uh, it's totally different faces they have uh, at the daytime. It's very family-oriented. Kids can go outside and hang out. But the moment the sun goes down, it's a totally different story over there. You what know? do you think of Harlem today? Definitely not the Harlem that you knew. Totally different. And uh, I still walk every now and then, and I talk to the people that live, who lived there for many, many years. But they seem to be enjoying it because, uh, you know... It's, it's safer. Safer, and more money is coming into the neighborhood, and uh, it's totally... Life-changing for them. When did you move out of the neighborhood? 
1994, Where are you now? I live in East Harlem now. So you're still in Harlem, just yeah. in a different neighborhood. Yeah. How do you like East Harlem? I, I lived there for about, now it's about 20 years. Wow. Yeah, 20 years now. And uh, it changes a lot now. It used to be, you know, it's just Harlem. But nowadays it's a new building there, condo there, and uh, totally different m new people are coming into the neighborhood. But it's nice. Are you photographing there? Are you photographing your neighbors? I do every now and then, yes. Do they know you? I think so. They know that Katsu is a I photographer? Think I, think, I think so, yeah. Do you still walk around with your camera yes, exposed, yes, not in a case? I do. It's always in my hand. What project are you working on now? I, since I live in New York, the diversity of nationality and uh, culture and religious. So I start photographing all different type of people and ethnic background. And uh, that's the project I'm working on right now. Are they also portraits? Yes, they are. What story are you hoping to tell with this project? Diversity of the New York, I think. It's a melting pot and peace and harmony. And what would you say is the story that you're primarily looking to tell with Once in Harlem? I leave that up to the viewer. It's, uh, I don't have a those strong feeling. this is a story I want to tell. I was there living and what I see and uh, I photograph in organic way and uh, wherever people want to feel and that's, I'm totally okay with that. I don't want to push this is uh, what I want you to feel or see. Have you stayed in touch with anyone that's photographed in this book? After a while, yes. But uh, it's now is hard to catch. I was, uh, after I finished that project, I was in Japan for some time. And after I came back, and uh, some people gone. And the uh, news stand that I used to visit is gone. And the people around this I don't see no more. And uh, so, you know, it's changed. Are you hoping that individuals who are featured in this book see themselves in this book. I love that, and I love the person to contact me. That'll be my dream. Do you and ever I'm, wonder what became of some of these people? What became of these teenage girls oh, who yeah, you have on the cover? Yeah. You also did another project here in New York City called West Side Rendezvous. Yes. Tell me about that one. That was uh, mainly transvestite sex worker on the street. West Side in New York, downtown New York, around the meatpacking district. And uh, I see them, you know, doing their own business over there. And back then, I had many gay friends. And I used to hang out with them. And I lost some of my friends. And the AIDS was an epidemic in the New York, first crisis, AIDS crisis. And... I couldn't really believe what they're doing on the street. That struck my head first, and because they don't practice safe sex. And uh, I start to talk to them, to tell their life story, and it kind of moved me a lot. And I wanted to photograph them with their 
natural face, who they are, and that's how I started my project. But it wasn't easy to photograph them first. So, you know, I started walking in the meatpacking district, camera you know, attached to the tripod, walk around and let them know my face, and then they'll come talk to you if you're doing something like that almost every day. And then start having coffee together, stuff like that. And then uh, quite become friend, talk to them, and the photograph. So much of what you do is about earning people's trust, huh? That is um, very important for me to do that, to get those. And where are these photographs featured? The West Side Rendezvous? Yeah. Uh, first exhibition was in New York, and then it went to London, and it went to Japan. No book? No, book too. Book too. Yeah. So it's out there. It's available? Uh, no, it's all sold out. It went out, sold out very quickly. What about this book? This book is not sold out yet. Not yet. Hopefully still, soon. Yeah, still some available. Yeah. What did your mom think about what you became after you got fired from that job that she sent you to get? I'm sure she didn't like that, though. Really? Yeah, I'm sure. You know, she said, oh, you know, you, you, you know I, I sent you for being something, you know, straighten your life or something, but you drop out and uh, you're doing something, you, you know, you're totally not, uh, you didn't promise me to be like that, you know. Did she have an opportunity to see any of your photography? Oh, yes, she did. And uh, she didn't like the first one, I'm sure, the sex worker. It was a two graphic for her. But uh, those Harlem book, I'm sure she enjoyed it a lot. Who are your role models? Do you have photographers yes, as I role did. models? Yes, I a Classic, classic photographer, the Cartier-Bresson, Wim, Bullock, August Sander, and uh, that's all in the old, old time. And the recent year, not recent, 1670s, um, Richard Abaddon and uh, the most of all, the Diane Herbers influenced me a lot. In what way? Ability of uh, taking a portrait, capturing the moment of uh, something that people wouldn't want to show to their, somebody, you know, other people. She captured those moment and the face expression. She also worked in New York City, right? Yes, she did. Where did you first see her photographs? I know you used to hang out somewhere in New York, right? That you saw I these photographs. See her book. Uh, there, the bookstore called uh, "Photographer of the Place" and down the Soho, and uh, that's the way I seen her book first. And I used to go there bookstore a lot and uh, sit and uh, watch her book and. Uh, I bought, and ever since, it was my guidebook. I have to see her book every night before I go to sleep. It was inspiration for you, huh? Oh, yes. Big, big influence. What kind of camera did you use to take these photographs in Harlem? I had a uh, Pentax. It's medium format called Pentax 6x7, and also the square home format, Hasselblad, and all the two formats I used. And what are you using today? Hasselblad. Film, still using a film camera. I was going to ask the question. Yeah. Not digital, huh? Yeah, I, I choose, I still like to use uh, work with the film. So you're still in a dark room? Yes. 
Is that hard to get these days, or harder to get? It is harder. Like uh, for the instance, like a paper I used to get in you know, a down uh, New York, I have to get from uh, Los Angeles. Many things not available nowadays. Now, what is it about film versus digital that you prefer? In my opinion, it captures something you cannot see in your eye. I don't know what you call a kind of air, and those the temperature of the print it can produce, and I love those the images. Let's talk a little bit more about the images in Once in Harlem. Any others that are most memorable for you? I come to the newsstand of elderly people. They're all um, deep in my heart. Yeah. Because, as I said earlier, I smoke cigarettes with them, drink beer with them, and talk daily life. There's a funny one here of a woman with a hat on with her hand over her face. What's going that's on a, there? That's a, that's a pro, here's a professor. It's a man. It's a man. Okay. Professor. He introduced himself as I'm Professor, Professor Williams. I shot him on 116th Street. Why the hand over the face? Do you remember? That's a, he had a, such a beautiful hand, so I asked him to put the hand on your face. Huh. It almost looks like he's hiding, but no, he's not. You asked him to do yeah, that. I, yeah, so many great photos in this book. Thank you. All of these faces yeah. are just so sincere, I think, honest, and all tell a story. Thank you. Katsu, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. Thank you. Katsu Naito is a Japanese-born photographer who now resides here in New York City. His book, Once in Harlem, is out now from TBW Books. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boldarki. Thanks so much for listening.